Show business, baby. I'm telling you, dude. You hear that, right? Yeah. All right. He was jamming out to that whole thing. I wish everybody could see that. <laughs> I've uh, heard it many times. Dude, what's going on, man? I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, it has been a little while. What's going on? Uh, I feel bad, you know, for people that know me personally, whenever they ask me, hey, how's it going? I feel bad because it's always the same thing. Oh, I'm still just working on the set of my show. People at work and family, that's all they really hear about because that's really all I've been doing. <laughs> just trying to get this shit going again yeah because what you're on season two right yes i actually uh today i'm filming episode one finally nice. um yeah I, I thought i was gonna be getting on it i don't know a good three or four months ago but i just keep on running into other little things i want to do with the set and i want to really make it as cool as i can for when we start up so yeah 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 no, it looks good because the for everyone listening, it's uh there's a whole new backdrop, and uh, what like what is that made out of? It looks like it's made out of metal. I'm so glad that you think it is. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, uh, but that that's what I was going for. Um, it's uh, I just cut out. Uh, it's like a cardboard that I cut out and painted to to try and give it a metal look. It's kind of the side of the set. I'm actually uh, normally like, uh, let's see, right about here is where the main camera is going to be. Yeah. But then this is kind of off to the side. Nice. Nice. I love it. I love it. How much, uh, so how did you do that? Like, was that your handy dandy work or was that commissioned or what's going on with that? Yeah. Yeah. I made it. I, uh, I'm going to pretend that other people built this so it feels more official, but no, I, I'm all alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but you have your handy dandy cameraman. Who who is that again? Oh, right. Who is that again? Oh, uh, he's I, I don't know. He's some asshole intern that the studio hired. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love it. He doesn't seem it. very interested in what we're doing, but he keeps the camera on me. So that's all I care about. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, dude, I, I'm so happy you're coming back because, you know, your your channel is is really is really well produced for what it is. And uh, everyone listening, it's it's all about Terminator 2. And that's that's Casey and I's kind of mutual uh, thing, obviously, because I was the Terminator guy for for quite some time. And and um, I don't remember exactly how we met. Like, I don't remember how you came into my life or how I came into your life. Do you remember or is this going to be just uh, never uh figured out? I'm pretty sure that I, I'm pretty sure I just I found your podcast when I I I might have been I've been listening to podcasts for years and it might have been one of those days where I started searching and thinking like has anybody done any good Terminator podcast stuff lately because there just really aren't any that last very long and and keep on going with it so there have been a few that kind of fizzled away and I thought maybe somebody's done a new one by now and, and I think that's what I was doing and I found yours oh wow I, I believe that was it and then I found you on Facebook and stuff. Yeah, yeah, good old, good old Facebook, and uh, yeah, and uh, and yeah, and then and then I did have you on on previously. You were on Terminator One Hundred and One, and that or no, 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 you were on you were on this iteration of the podcast. But it was mostly we were just talking yeah. about we were literally just talking about 
uh, T for two and um, wanted to get you back on, obviously to talk about the upcoming, you know, stuff that you're working on, but then of course to go off on side tangents, cause you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you were like, yeah, like if you want to talk about nursing and, and seeing dead bodies and, and all that shit, I'm your man. <laughs> Did I say seeing dead bodies, or at least just the process of dying and death, at least? Oh, okay, there I, you go. That's something that I know a lot about. I like to refer myself, when people ask me what I do professionally, I'm a prognosticator of death. To me, that's pretty much what, well, no, that's oversimplification. That's not what hospice is. But that's a big part of it, is giving people or their families some kind of an idea of how much time they have left. That's, that's one of the most common questions that we get asked. And a lot of times it's funny because people, well, it's not funny, but people feel <laughs> bad asking a lot of times. A lot of times people will say, hey, you know, I, I know that this sounds morbid, but how much longer do you think dad has to go like this? And, and the response for me is always, no, that's not morbid. You know, that's your loved one. That's your dad. And he's just kind of going through all this stuff and you're wondering how long to expect it to go. And so that's something that, we try to answer for people and it's one of the most common questions that we get. That's wild. That is wild. All right. So before we get into the heavy shit, before we get into that stuff, I do want to, yeah. what is the, yeah. fr what's the first, what's the first thing you're filming today? Oh, uh, today, uh, the, the first episode of season two, we're going to get into Japan. It's going to be part one of Terminator two in Japan. And the reason it's just part one is because there's so much, cool stuff to cover about Terminator 2 in Japan. Like where, you know, when we covered the French release, uh, we were able to discuss pretty much everything in one episode about how T2 was released in France and how they marketed it and then looking at the dub and stuff. But for Terminator 2 in Japan, it was, and it, and it still is, so huge over there. There's so much merchandise they produce just for the Japanese market. And I've spent way too much money accumulating as much of it as I could over the years so that I could show it here on the show. But yeah, it's it's going to be Terminator 2 in Japan is not going to be one episode. It's going to take place over many episodes sprinkled all throughout the series. And part one is going to be, I actually have it here since I'm filming about it today, the the press book that Ooh. was sent out throughout Japan to Japanese uh, you know, media, newspapers and magazines and stuff. And so we're going to be looking at the Japanese press book from Terminator 2 and talking about it and uh, and probably some shenanigans along the way and things going wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome, man. See, that's what I love about your about your channel in particular, because, you know, something like what I was doing is is literally it's all focused on the American, you know, for for, or for better or worse. And, uh, you know, you're kind of extending out into, you know, where where this film has also made an impact and and really kind of highlighting it. And, and and again, literally for everyone listening, you do it in such a great way. Like, I'm sure everyone can already hear that you. I don't know if you know this, but you have a very sarcastic kind of way of speaking. Do you know that or no? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very sarcastic. Yeah, I guess I. it depends on what I'm talking about, what I'm doing and where I am, I suppose. But like on the show, I kind of, you know, on the show, I'm sort of playing a character uh the host and uh and i intend for that character to be sometimes a little bit unlikable 
just because it's building up to some things that will pay off later on as the as the show progresses that I'm really looking forward to. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah. And so I think because we're talking about it, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting myself into that mindset a little bit. So if I'm coming off very similarly to the way that I am on the show, it's just because I'm getting myself in that mindset. Usually the the sarcastic kind of stuff is a lot of times more just my humor when I'm joking around. But in everyday life, uh, I'm probably not as I, I, I have a feeling as we get into more of the, the conversation of like the, the death and dying type stuff there, you'll probably see a lot less of the sarcasm but maybe not maybe i am a lot more sarcastic normally than i realized i guess we'll find out you tell me yeah yeah because it's like i have to imagine right so here we go we'll transition to the to being uh, in hospice like someone comes up to you and you, like you said uh they'll ask you how long does dad have or, or something and i cannot imagine that you would approach that with a sarcastic undertone or or a, or a comedic flair you know, because that would just be horrible. You would like seriously. So it, it's. I do hope that that side of you comes out because I would love to see it. You know, the the non T for two Casey. Oh yeah, yeah, and no, you're right. Uh, when someone approaches me with that, um, it's something that I. Uh, one thing that I'm really proud of as a nurse, I, I, uh, people have. I mean, I guess I'm throwing away my humility for a moment. To I don't know. It, it feels weird talking about you know, the things that I'm good at or whatever. But one of the compliments that I've gotten most as a nurse is just people like that. I, I, it's kind of funny when I'm thinking about it now here, I'm all usually, and, and with you in the past, as most people see me like on the YouTube show, I'm bombastic and loud and kind of obnoxious. And, but a lot of families have complimented me on being soft-spoken and very kind and, and that kind of stuff. And that makes me feel really good. Cause like, that's kind of my goal is to just be a kind of a, I guess a, a, a pillow for these people sometimes, you know, sort of like the embodiment of a, of a hug or holding somebody's hand, which obviously I haven't been doing as much of because of COVID, but, uh, but still giving them that feeling, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've only ever been into a hospice once and it's a very, Oh really? Yeah, it's a very it's a very odd thing because you know, it's it's the next step after the hospital. So, it's when literally or it or there is no hospital in the first place. It's just you go from your normal life to all right, you're checking into hospice. And it's such a bizarre thing because it's that it's it, it's that fine line between life and death. It's just you go there and you know it's only a matter of time. And life is only a matter of time, but this is truly only a matter of time. This is this is like a PSA of only it's a matter of time before you check out of this world. And it's I can't imagine what that feels like to be in there. Like, is it a do you leave kind of feeling like this is why you need this outlet, this this YouTube channel to kind of let it all decompress? Uh, no, actually, I. Uh... I, I usually, when I walk out of work, I feel more fulfilled than I did when I worked in uh, uh, other medical, uh, like, like when I was, I've, when I was a nurse on other floors, like uh -huh. on an inpatient acute setting, yeah. I, I walk out feeling more fulfilled because I feel like I'm able to do more for people. 
uh, which, you know, to people that might not know a lot about hospice, that might sound weird because, you know, I'm not trying to save anybody's life. But but at the same time, I I feel like I'm able to have a, a bigger impact on the families and the patient in terms of just giving them something more that uh, that's more meaningful a lot of times. When I when I worked, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of, uh, I got into to, to nursing because to me it's kind of like an excuse to be nice to people for a living. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the way that I look at it. I, I didn't get into it, like some nurses, there's nothing wrong with this, it's just two different ways to look at it. Some nurses love the thrill of the emergency room and the ICU. And I've I've worked a little bit in those areas and it can be exciting but people are in and out so fast that you don't really get to know your patients usually and and a lot of times they're just in such rough shape that they don't even they're not usually aware of what's going on until you get them well enough that they move on to a a less acute floor anyway but when you're in hospice um you're obviously spending way more time with these people and with their families and it, it can Sometimes, I mean, it's not like we're just uh, sitting around watching people die. Sometimes it gets really busy where I work, too, depending on the group of patients we have and what their needs are. But a lot of times, fortunately, uh, you have that extra time that you can go and sit with people and spend time with them, Mm -hmm. which I didn't have very often when I was working down at the main hospital, still for the same company that I work for, Mercy Hospital. But when I worked in the acute hospital, there was just, there's there's so much more on your to-do list in terms of like, you know, people have to be up in their chairs for every meal and stuff like that, where in the hospice house, it's just all about comfort and they don't have to be up in their chairs. They can eat their donut in bed if they want, you know? So it's all about just doing whatever, accommodating whatever they want to make them happy. So that is really fulfilling. And and it's uh, yeah. I, I guess I don't know how far I've rambled off of your initial question, but hey, it's fine. No, it's fine. I'll stop. Yeah. I no, I won't stop you. I'll just be like, keep going, keep going, keep going, and 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 I and I find points okay. to talk about in there because it's you know I have sure. to imagine putting myself in your shoe, right? I've never done anything medical. I've never done uh, anything that involves that kind of a of a mindset. So. But it's but it's sort of like one of those jobs that, and I've talked about it. It's 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 another job. I don't think I could do it's like a like being a police officer. I don't think I could be a police officer. I don't think I could work in the medical field just because it is so. In my in my view, it's so draining mentally. It's so like, and and I'm happy that you can leave fulfilled. Like I'm really like that shocked me when you said that you leave feeling more fulfilled than you did previously. And I just you know. I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, maybe you get numb to it. Do you like? Do you feel like maybe now you've just become, maybe not the word is desensitized, but a synonym for desensitized? Um, I've thought about that. And maybe in some ways, but I think maybe the way that I would prefer to word it is that um, I've just gotten myself familiar enough with people dying and that it's a normal part of life that it doesn't uh death itself 
isn't very upsetting to me. Loss is upsetting. It can still be upsetting, you know. And a lot of times for me, the saddest part of it isn't that somebody just died, but that the family just lost someone. Some Usually that is what can get to you a little bit sometimes when it comes to getting emotional, um, which is another topic. But, uh, but uh, when, yeah, a lot of these people, it's not, it's not as sad as you would think working in hospice because so many of these people, fortunately, a lot of times they've lived a full life. It's not that often that we have really young kids and stuff every now and then we do. And that really sucks. But uh, most of these people have lived a full life or pretty close to a full life. And, you know, they might be whatever their main diagnosis is, they might be dealing with some kind of cancer or something that they've been dealing with for however many number of years. And they're just like, I'm, I've, I've had enough. I'm, I'm just ready. I'm fulfilled. And I'm, I'm, I can, I can move on. So usually that's not the sad part, but the families that are losing someone, but even for the families, believe it or not, um, it's not always uh, a, a bunch of crying and, and tears when someone does die, because a lot of families, they're kind of ready for it too. They've been seeing their mom or their dad or whoever it is suffering with their cancer or whatever it may be for so long that they're okay with them they're they're grateful for the idea that that person is not going to be in any pain anymore and they're going to be able to move on so yeah it's not always as sad as you would think sometimes it's i, I mean i'm not religious but if the, the family is religious i'll go along with it just to make them feel good because that's that's all i really care about so you know sometimes it's just uh you know hey mom's in a better place now and and they're all like yeah she's whatever she's back with uh grandma or, or something you know and that that makes them happy and um yeah that that i would say that that is probably the majority of cases not by a lot but i bet that's yeah more, you have more cases like that than you have cases that are like really tragic and really emotional yeah yeah, it's, it, well, it's also interesting because uh, when you think of medical, you think of all these, you know, television shows that are like ER, Grey's Anatomy. You think of, you know, Scrubs, if you want some co comedy in there. Uh, none of them yeah. are none of them are based on hospice, are they? They're all like they're all in the hospital. There hasn't been a hospice developed show on major network television. No, and as far as I know, and I've never really watched any of those shows, except I've caught a couple episodes of Scrubs. But as far as I know, there aren't even really any shows. Uh, there probably are. Somebody will probably write in and let you know, and then you can forward it on to me, and I'll take it. <laughs> but but I, it, I, I don't know of any shows that are just about nursing. And there are a hell of a lot more nurses out there than there are doctors. All these shows are about doctors. I would think... I've actually thought about this a lot over the years since I, before I worked in hospice, I would love to, uh, if I had the time and the resources to pitch an idea like to Netflix or something about uh, a show about night shift nurses, because there'd be so much good stuff in there. Heartwarming stuff, funny, ridiculous stuff, dramatic stuff. You could have everything on there and 
getting to know, you know, a, a certain uh, crew of of nurses would be the main characters and their different, uh, how they interact with each other. And yeah, there'd be so much meat on the bone there. And it would be far more relatable than most medical shows that are about doctors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just pulling this out of my ass, but I, I would imagine in the medical field, nurses outnumber doctors throughout hospitals, probably 20 to one, you know? So I think that'd be more relatable and more fun too. But then that's just me. <laughs> Let's see here. Um, you should be able to see this, right? Yeah. Are there, this is why I love Google. Are there more nurses than doctors? Cause Google is always right. With more than three times right. as many registered nurses in the U.S. as physicians, nursing delivers an extended array of healthcare services, including primary and preventive care by nurse practitioners with specialized education. I guess, okay, yeah, so more than. They highlighted more than three times as many registered nurses nursing delivers. So I guess that is true. Yeah, it is. There are more. You can see. I mean, because... Like uh, when on really any medical floor, there might be at least one, maybe a few doctors that follow those patients, but they're not there 24-7 in most cases. I mean, your typical medical floor. And they're not not, uh, attending to the patient's every need either. That's what nurses and nurse aides do. And I don't want to make this sound like I'm knocking doctors. Almost every doctor that I've ever worked with has been awesome. And yeah. the, the doctors and the nurse practitioners that we work with at the hospice house are terrific. But, uh, but yeah, there's, there are just way more nurses out there. Nurses, like, and a, a good, generous, uh, honest physician will tell you that nurses, or I should say the nursing staff, because that includes the nurse aides too, they're the front line in the medical world. They're the ones who are directly dealing with the patient. And a lot of doctors will say that the nurses are their eyes and ears because we're the ones who will go to the doctor or call the doctor and say, hey, this patient's got this going on. I tried giving them whatever medication, doesn't seem to be doing the trick, you know, and then the doctor will try and think of some stuff or some doctors will just ask us, hey, well, what do you think we should try? You know, cause we're the ones who are there with the patient every day. So yeah, I think uh, I think a, 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 some kind of TV show about nursing would be a hit if it was done right yeah have you seen like has there been a lot of hospice cases when it comes to covid or is that really not something that you've seen uh well yeah um fortunately where i work we have done our best so far to keep it a covid free facility and uh so we, we've managed to, to do that so far. It was kind of one of those things that it was just sort of our goal. And we knew that if at some point, if it just wasn't possible, it just wasn't possible. And we've been prepared with certain respirators and stuff. An N95 won't fit my face because of the uh, strange fat contours, I guess, of my cheeks. But uh, <laughs> but I instead, I've been fitted with a different type of respiratory hood so that when it came to that point, we would have prepared for it. But um, am I cutting out or can you still hear me? Okay. I see that the video is getting a little goofy. Yeah. Um, I, cause like you were cutting out a little bit there. Okay. It seemed like it's okay now. Should be okay. Yeah. 
Fucking Skynet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God damn it. <laughs> lying motherfuckers. But, um, yeah, so... Uh, um, you've kept it a pretty... What was I talking about? You've kept was it a pretty COVID. Some nonsense. You've, you've kept it pretty COVID-free. Yes. So, um, yeah, but we still have had patients who have died of covid symptoms because uh you can recover from covid technically and still die of covid related symptoms we haven't had a ton but we've had a fair amount of people who uh their death certificate was covid pneumonia or something along those lines because they got covid uh -huh. eventually the virus ran its course through their body and their body technically recovered but they still had this awful pneumonia as a result of COVID and their lungs were in such shitty shape because of COVID that they couldn't, they didn't get past the pneumonia. They couldn't recover like they would have if it was a pneumonia, you know, that like if they, if they didn't have COVID screwing up their lungs. Yeah. So it's, that's uh, COVID related pneumonia. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've had people die technically of COVID, but fortunately, they didn't have COVID anymore by the time they came to the hospice house. And, you know, they'd be out there for maybe a few days before they would die, and we'd just keep them as comfortable as, they, as we could. But, but, of course, in the meantime, we're still we're having all these precautions that we have to take so that we can minimize any potential COVID outbreak that might happen, which we've been able to avoid. But it's masks and gowns and shit. That we've been wearing for about a year now mm. that's no fun but but it's been it's been keeping us from having it spread through our facility we've had one or two nurses that have ended up with covid Whoa. but because of the precautions we've taken like wearing simple basic face masks that it, you know any three-year-old can tolerate um we haven't had it spread through our facility when someone has had it mm. they found out that they had it and then they just stayed home got through it and came back to work when they were all cleared up and we never had any outbreaks. It's always, um, it's always interesting when, uh, when you hear that a nurse or a doctor or somebody in the medical field gets it, you know, it's, uh, I remember, uh, I don't know why it made me think like, Oh shit, this is now really serious. But of course, you know, me being who I am, anybody in pop culture gets it. It's like, Oh, Whoa, they're not safe. The second Tom Hanks was diagnosed with it. Remember I was like, Oh fuck, we're all fucked. Like this is over. Like it's it's yeah. done with. Tom Hanks got it. Like we're screwed. And um, I'm surprised. Like Arnold never got it, did he? Like to bring this back to because I have a feeling we'll we'll consistently bring this back to Terminator. Arnold never got COVID, huh? Yeah, no, not. I mean, or if he did, you know, I was about to say if he did, he was able to just uh, get over it privately and keep it to himself. But I don't think he would have kept it to himself. I think he's the kind of, because the way he's been very outspoken about this stuff, he would have been public about it and said, look, even I have it, here's what I'm going to do to try and get over it. Yeah. You know, and then he would have, he would have talked to people afterwards about what it was like and to, to, you know, inspire people that we can get through this. So no, I guess he hasn't had it. Otherwise we would have known. Yeah. How cool would that be? Like, well, cause wh hold on. Where are you again? Like, where are you located? Uh, Eastern Iowa, Iowa. Okay, okay. I was gonna say, how cool would it be if he just comes into your uh, into your facility, not hospice, but like a hospital nearby? But he's in LA, he's in California. But that so that wouldn't make sense. Oh wow, yeah. I would I would really struggle not to <laughs> not to. What I would probably do 
is, uh, <laughs> you know, I would give him the dignity of not acknowledging his celebrity for yeah. a while. You know, I would just treat him like any other patient, uh, Mr. Schwarzenegger, whatever. Uh, and then if he'd say, oh, no, no, call me Arnold, I would say, okay, Arnold. <laughs> and uh, I would just treat him like any other patient for a while. And then eventually, uh-huh. when I could tell, like, okay, he's, he's things better. are going okay. He seems to be having a really good day. Maybe he won't mind. Then I might say to him, you know, I just have to say while you're here, anyway, <laughs> I would go on about how much I admire him. <laughs> yeah. That'd be wild, wouldn't it? And then all of a sudden he's just like, oh, wow. Yeah. He's just, you know, because I mean, he, he comes off as a really, even in a situation like that, because he's had what? He's had like triple bypass surgery on his heart. He's, he's definitely been in, and he just seems like somebody who, even on like a table, He's, uh, you know, he's still kind of maybe bubbly and, and energetic and inspiring. It's like, it seems like it takes a lot to get that dude to have a really shitty day where he's just like telling everybody off. It just seems like he's always welcoming. Yeah. And I, I wonder how much of that is because he knows that he's a massive public figure and that he has the ability really with anything that he does to inspire people. Yeah. And I wonder if that's on his mind a lot when he is on the operating table and there's, you know, uh, he can take a, a picture of himself or whatever or a video that that's a way that he can inspire people. I wonder if that's part of what fuels his positivity, I'm, you know, for sure, for sure. You, like, you have to put yourself in his shoes and be like, OK, now I have this insane I have this insane following like people, you know, think yeah. of like he's not dumb you know he knows that he 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 is immortalized as one of the most iconic not even just pop culture figures like i think he has transcended that i think he's transcended pop culture he's just he's up there with george washington and and uh uh you know uh any kind of real prolific figure male female black white asian hispanic you know he's 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 not just an actor, bodybuilder, governor. He's he's a he's a name, and so and he's living. He's he, he's living in twenty twenty one. So of course he has this insane yeah. responsibility, and and uh, but you know I'm sure he has his days just like anybody. And uh, oh sure, yeah you're right. He's a true living legend, and I mean uh, even even younger kids who aren't part of, you know, that generation of throughout the eighties and nineties, when Arnold was an absolute current megastar, they still could identify him. I'm sure almost any young kid could probably be like, Oh yeah, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they could probably name more movies that he was in than like George Washington was in, you know? <laughs> see, this is what I'm talking about. See, we were, we were, we were doing really well. Cause I started to see a different, <laughs> I started to see a different side of Casey. And then all of a sudden you were like, nah, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> but that was a good one. That was a good one. Sorry. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, where did I hear this? I forget what podcast I was listening to, but they were like, they were talking about, um, they were talking about George Washington's like sex life and they, and nobody can imagine what that would look like. Or, you know, it's like, it's hard to imagine George Washington with a sex life because, and, and, and then the host was like, well, he's on the $1 bill and that's just an illustration. We don't even know what he actually genuinely a hundred percent looked like. We've only ever seen illustrations yeah. of this dude. It's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. And he was the president of the United States. So I'm sure those illustrations were, you know, done in a, uh, a complimentary manner, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. Awkward pause. Awkward pause. I love awkward pauses. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, you know, because he did have a sex life. So that's, that's, uh, yeah, they, they went off on a crazy tangent. You know, they were like, so, but like, the, like, did he keep the wig on? Did he take the wig off? You know, all that. Oh, shit. wow. Yeah. That's something to think about. <laughs> huh. It probably depended on who he was with. <laughs> and there might've been, I would imagine there might've been moments that, you know, if it wasn't just like his wife or whoever that was used to him, there might've been moments that he would be really really getting enthusiastic and then would try to take the wig off and the girl would be like oh wait no 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 it, please put that back on yeah you know yeah. depending on what was under there it's such a long time ago that it's hard to put into words what i what i feel when i think of somebody like that because i can't imagine that they actually existed it's it, it, it seems like a made-up thing it just seems like there's no way that dude actually existed with that haircut, with that clothing style, with that, you know, uh, it, it, it's like, what? I can't even, I, I can't even imagine that a year ago existed, let alone we're talking 1800s, you know? Yeah. It seems like a lot of those big figures from that time, well, I mean, it doesn't seem like it. They, they truly are just more myth anymore than they are like something that you can kind of tangibly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. That's a good that's a good way to put it. They're more myth than they are tangible. They're just this Yeah. They're just an idea. That's all they are, you know. They're so far yeah. they're so far gone that they're just a myth now. And I think what it starts with cuz I can actually imagine John F Kennedy existing. I can actually imagine him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think maybe he's like the end of that because anyone prior to him even like Roosevelt, you know, I can't, you know, because what he's he he's in the Pearl Harbor days, right? Roosevelt. Uh, no, I think he was. Uh, Who Roosevelt was, was more like in the the 30s, I believe, 20s or 30s, if I'm not mistaken. Who was the president during Pearl Harbor? Uh, uh, Eisenhower. Eisenhower. Or at least. Or at least, let's see. Hold on. Yeah, I believe Eisenhower Eisenhower announced that we were at war. Uh, no, it's no, it's Roosevelt. It's Roosevelt. Really, Teddy Roosevelt? Yeah. Look, hold on. Let me. Uh, wow. Right here. I'll be. In. Well, I, I believe you. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, Franklin D. Roosevelt. De oh, Franklin. Oh, FDR. Okay. Sorry, I was thinking Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there, oh, sorry. that's right. There were two Roosevelts, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. See, I forgot about that other dude. I forgot about Teddy. Yep. Franklin FDR. See, because that's the thing, you know, he had uh, he had the same last name, so people just called him FDR. They weren't, you know, yeah. Ro Roosevelt II. Yeah, Roosevelt II. Roosevelt II. <laughs> R for two. T for two. R for two. That's your next, like, that's your spinoff series, R for two. Talking all about yeah, talking about show all about FDR. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh man. Wow. But like you know what I mean? So it's even hard for me to imagine that that dude existed. And that's kind of like what? That's in the thirties, so that's less than a hundred years ago. But that's hard for me to imagine that that dude existed. But I can see Yeah. 
I can see for me. Go ahead. For me, Teddy Roosevelt is a little bit more tangible because he, he, at least he existed after the industrial revolution. So technology was the, the buildings that we had and stuff. The world didn't look quite as far removed from the way it is now compared to like the 1700s when it was sort of cabins and small buildings and, you know, no yeah. electricity, yeah. no phones or anything, at least, uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Um, yeah, there was, there was mass manufacturing going on and stuff like that. There was, yeah, civilization wasn't quite as far removed and the, the clothing. I mean, he wore suits with a tie and stuff that, that people still wear today. So some of that, it, it's easier for me to, to see him as a real guy where some of those guys from years ago with the, the, the curly powdered wigs and, and the, the long coats and stuff that, uh, that you don't generally see as much today and the, the kind of fluffy chest scarf things and whatever. Yeah. It, 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 there was more that was culturally and visually so different about the world back then where once you get into the, I don't know, to me, like the late 1800s and early 1900s, that stuff seems to me like it's a little bit easier to grasp as something that was a real thing and not just uh, pictures in a history book. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. just me. No, I 100% agree. And you, you made a good point there with like how, how, how different the world was. So it's, it's definitely that's also aiding in how hard it is to imagine that that existed because that's a whole other kind of lifestyle that doesn't really exist anymore except for maybe Amish people. And, uh, you yeah, know. yeah, <laughs> I got to get an Amish person on here. That'd be pretty dope. Oh, wow. But they wouldn't do that it. It would be neat. I might be able to, but they wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, I guess it depended <laughs> on the Amish person and it depended on how many, uh, goats or shillings or whatever it was that they <laughs> dealt with for currency that you could offer them. <laughs> We're offending. Works. We're offending Amish people, but they're not listening, so we can offend away. Yeah. We can offend away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, angry Amish people can send your angry tweets to at Eddie Greens one hundred and one. They could, but I, I, dude, I, I deactivated my Twitter, man. I was like, I'm over Twitter. I deactivated it. I pulled the plug. Oh, really? I pulled the oh. plug. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I'll yeah. be damned. I think I that that makes I think I tagged you in something a little while back that I and it didn't work. I, thought, I wonder if Eddie saw that. Yep. But I, anyway, I deactivated it on. Uh, wait, but like, hold on, because there's a line. I think it's in what T three or something. Uh, in a panic, they pulled a plug, or something. Or no, 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 that was T two. That's T two when he's um when he's in uh the car with Sarah and he gives all that exposition and he's like, in a panic, they pulled a plug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he's talking about how Skynet came to be and all that. Yeah, in a panic, they pulled the plug. So that's what I did. I, I pulled the plug <laughs> on Twitter because yeah, it just wasn't vibing with me anymore. I just was like, ugh. You really? Know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just plus, you know, I mean, let's be real. I was just, it's just you can only focus on so many of those things, and it just becomes more tedious than anything to have to. Oh, okay. Well, I I promoted on here. Now I got to promote on this thing. It's just easier because at, at least with Instagram, you can share directly to like Facebook because they're they're the same entity. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Are you more of a Twitterer or an Instagrammer? Uh, 
I didn't like Instagram at first when I tried figuring it out, but I've come to like it quite a bit. Uh, overall, though, I think I still, I think I still prefer the way that you're able to interact with people on Twitter. Although it seems like it has the tendency to get a lot more hostile pretty quickly, so I try to just avoid that. I just keep everything positive anyway with my show. I mean, the only thing that you could consider negative with my show is simply what my character might be doing or saying at any point. But you know, that's just the entertainment part of it. I don't, I don't like to. I, I'm never really going to do much for like criticizing the you know the movies that sucked but i mean that's why we just don't talk about them because it's a positive show yeah so uh, uh but yeah i mean i i'm not going to be the i'm not going to be the type to go on twitter and be like oh look at this new uh statue that this company released it doesn't look like any, like arnold schwarzenegger this sucks you know yeah. i just like to keep things positive yeah no no for sure and uh i'm going on to your thing here and uh sharon oh no let's do this hold on there we go so here we go we got uh dude the last thing that uh so the last thing you did was five months ago sarah connor 2020 which that was fun and by the way thank you for that sticker again that was uh i love that sticker you're welcome yeah you sent me a you sent me a very lovely sticker, which is actually right on the on the back of the screen that you're looking at me through. So, um, oh, that's cool. I'm glad that you've been able to enjoy that. Yeah, that's awesome. But dude, and yeah, of course, thank you for helping me out with that video. That was fun. That yeah, that, a lot of fun. And and I just love that you know. Uh, so we've both um, mutually had Brad Fidel. You've talked to Brad. I've talked to Brad, and. Um, I mean, obviously, you did it a whole lot better because you, first of all, you have the medium of video to your aid, and you not only did it in like, you didn't do it just this way where it, it could have been just like a video call or something. You did it in such a clever way where you plug a VHS tape into your TV behind you and and talk to him like you're talking to your television, which theoretically makes no sense but it doesn't have to make sense it's it's such a great concept that you're just talking to your television and it's somehow responding to you i love it well thank you i i guess i have no idea how any of that even works the studio kind of set that up and they said well when you're ready to talk to him plug this in and i was like okay well this doesn't i mean you guys know how vcrs work right and they were like no no just we got the setup and i was like oh this is stupid but this i played along with it and i don't know it, it worked. It really did work. And I love, uh, like, see, like I'll say something where it's, it's, um, like me talking about how you came up with it and you'll just be like, yeah, the TV production studio did it. <laughs> like you don't break character. I fucking love it. You don't break character. I guess I, uh, I watched a lot of pro wrestling growing up and that's a lot of not breaking character, especially back in the eighties and nineties when they were trying to protect, protect the business as they said, and, and try to maintain the, the facade that it was a real thing. And so they kind of had to stay in character like all the time when they were around any strangers. So I wonder, you know, I never really thought about that, but I wonder if a little bit of that has inspired the, some of the stupidity of this show. I guess some of it, of course, definitely has. I don't know. <laughs> no, dude, it's 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 definitely inspiring because you know it is. It's um like who am I thinking of? There's uh there's there's all those classic examples of people. So in a way, you're like a method YouTuber. 
like you know how there's like method actors you're you're, you're a method youtuber and the fact that even in I something like about that even in something like this where it's just this is supposed to be a casual conversation where we may or may not talk about t for two but we'll we'll go off and talk about george washington's sex life and you're still somehow the the host of t for two and you're <laughs> and you're not breaking character it's a so you're a method youtuber I get, yeah, I never, I never really thought about it that way. <laughs> That's a neat way to look at it. He's pondering. He's pondering. <laughs> yeah. I mostly, I think the thing in my head that's sticking in my head right now is YouTuber. I don't know why. I, I hate that term YouTuber. Why? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just... When I think of a a YouTuber, <laughs> I think of uh, somebody who is sitting at their desk with a big-ass pair of headphones on, and they're yelling and ranting about how they're pissed off. Oh, and I don't mean, yeah, like, you. I don't mean that the big headphones are bad, because you're doing a podcast, you're doing an audio project. But I mean, on video, somebody's sitting there with a big pair of headphones on, and they're yelling about how they're mad about the latest Star Wars movie and whatever. And they've, the, I, I don't know. To me, like, that's what I think of as a traditional YouTuber. It's somebody who puts up a video, like, maybe twice a day because they don't have to do any editing or anything. They just hit record, they put it up, and they're yelling and ranting about stuff that they think people will be likely to click on. And then they upload it. That's it. And then they, they later in the day, they're like, oh, here's something else that, you know, people might be pissed about. And they start recording and they yell about it and they rant and write. They put it up there. And then after so long, they've got just, you know, hundreds or thousands of videos of just them in front of their screen yelling. And uh, somehow they've got all these followers because people love angry, dramatic shit like that. And I bet I could really jack up my... Uh, subscribers if my show was me being angry about all the things that were wrong with Terminator Genesis but I just don't want to do my show that way I don't really care if uh, if I have like you know a, a tenth of the subscribers that I could have by doing it this way I'd rather do it this way and uh, you know this is more fun for me and and I feel like it's the comment section on my videos are usually people talking about happy, positive things and not agreeing with me about how angry they are about whatever angry topic I'm going off about, you know? Yeah. So no, you're, I, I guess I don't know how I got off onto all this, but no, 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 you're, you're no, you brought a good point there. And I was thinking about this. This is funny. I was thinking about, um, you know, how we all have a, well, not everybody, but generally speaking, people that are, you know, if, if you're a YouTuber, if you're a professional podcaster, if you're, uh, uh, a, a news anchor, if you're a movie actor, we all have quotas to fill. We all have a, a certain amount of things that we have to put out because there's a, there's a machine behind it that's pushing for this quota because sponsors can be a part of it. And then that's going to add, you know, revenue and, 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 and it's all about money and it's all we have to push out, you know, certain amount of episodes or we have to push out a certain amount of films in a year. What I love about something that you're doing and, and to your point, you probably could do it. Like you said, if you were pumping out angry videos or just, you know, uh, uh, less than produced videos, 
consistently, yes, of course, you would probably jack up your subscriber account, uh, count, not account, you, but you would, first of all, probably not be happy. Second of all, you would lose the appeal and, and the awesomeness of being someone that doesn't have a quota to fill. You, you know, this, you can tell this is a passion project for you and that each video you release is special because you're not releasing them back to back to back to back to back. You're releasing them sporadically. So it's, there's a real kind of, I'm putting everything into this almost as if this is my last video, right? Like that's how you approach it. It's like, this is my last video. Yeah, you're right. I, that's, I'm glad that you appreciate that. Cause yeah, that really is, uh, it, it got hard for me when I got up to the point when I did the, uh, the, the cigar biker video about the tribute to the actor, Robert Wanley and the character that he played, because that one, I, I was, I was beyond thrilled with how that came together and how it all turned out at the end. And yeah, the funny aspects and the emotional aspects. And there was, I was so happy with that. And I thought, you know, up until that point, I felt personally that each episode of the show got better and better and better. And then I hit that one and I thought, I don't know if I'll, <laughs> I've got tons and tons and tons of episodes planned. I'm probably going to be doing this show for years. And I don't know if I can top this one that I just did. It was like my eighth episode, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. but, uh, but I'll do my damnedest to top it someday. But, um, but yeah, it, it, you're right. That has been kind of one of my goals. Each one. It's like, if it, as I'm working on it, I, everyone is their own hardest critic, or at least I sure as hell am. And as I've been working on this show, each episode when I'm writing it, uh, and then when I'm filming it and then editing it together. And then even some, a lot of times right before I upload it, I keep hitting these moments where I'm like, damn it, this sucks. This one is no good. This one is the worst one I've done yet. And uh, uh, especially after that cigar biker one. But I do try to, to keep making them better. And I think it's because I'm too focused on I, – I try too hard, I think, to, to make each one better than the last because then it gets to a point where it's like I just – I can't keep making these better so I just feel like then they suck. Yeah. <laughs> if I feel like this one is not quite as good as the last one, it fucking sucks. Yeah. I'm a failure. This is terrible. Even though I'm not making a nickel off YouTube, I don't even have the channel monetized, and I don't plan to ever make any money off it. I don't care about that. But somehow it just feels like it's going to be a failure because like it's not going to make people as happy as the last one did. That's really my only meter for success on the show. When I upload an episode that I feel sucks and then I start getting the comments on it and people are really happy with it, it's such a huge feeling of relief for me because I'm just up until that point, some of these, I'm just beating myself up as I get up to there. And I, I think that, I hope that that's going to get better. Once I get to the point where I've done, you know, maybe 40 or 50 episodes, Hopefully by that point, it'll just be something that I'm used to where I'm like, okay, no, it, it's fine. It's fine. Just keep going. It's fine. It's good enough. But right now I'm not at that point. And so a lot of these, yeah, I, I really beat myself up over them. So, yeah, I don't know. And, and also to your, to your uh, point is I wouldn't even want to talk to somebody that, you know, did those kinds of videos, whether it's me just standing in front of my camera and I'm yelling and I'm quick, like I'm quick cutting and, and, I, and, and I have all these sound effects. Oh, those quick cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you're right. Those quick cuts. Very Michael Bayish. God, I hate that. 
And, you know, I wouldn't like I wouldn't want to talk to somebody like that on 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 my podcast, at least I the more humility I see in somebody, regardless of whether their character is sort of douchey, because I pick up on that, like I understand it's a character you're going for, but I'm so much more attracted to talking to somebody like that versus somebody that just puts their camera down, does a few quick cuts and 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 just yells consistently into their into their microphone it's like, yeah, it's entertaining because it makes me wonder what the hell is wrong with this person. But ultimately, that's where my curiosity ends. And somebody like you, yeah. there's a whole range of curiosity involved. It's And seriously, that was one of my favorites that you did because I, I think it's such a cool idea because you know everyone focuses on Arnold and Linda and Robert Patrick and Eddie Furlong. Nobody focuses on the fucking cigar biker, dude. And... It's such a it's such a good thing that you did that you got people that knew him that that you know spoke very highly of him and it felt like a it felt like a little mini documentary from Netflix or from you know I don't know that's what it felt like thank it, you that's what it felt like man thank you I I feel really good about that that's that that was my goal with that one and I I hope to. Uh, I, I, I want to do a whole bunch more. I mean, I, I'm planning on, I've already been kind of starting to work on a bunch more of those that I want to do. That was one of my plans from the beginning was because, you know, I, I want to explore every, every aspect of these movies, meaning the first two films. And um, that includes all the characters. I don't know if I'll ever really do an episode on the T-1000. I probably will eventually, but just because that character has been explored to death. Everybody knows who played him and what movies he was in and every every little thing about that character. Yeah. But yeah, the cigar biker, everybody loves that line, you forgot to say please. But past that, there's just not really much thought given to it. And I thought, man, I, we got we to gotta dig into this guy a little bit more. And, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to do that with a lot more characters from the films. And then I'm going to be doing similar episodes. Uh, you know, that was what I call a character profile episode. I'm going to be doing episodes that are weapon profile episodes. So we're going to spend an entire episode talking about the 1887 Winchester, Winchester lever action shotgun that Arnold uses. And we're going to talk about that weapon and, and how it was modified for the film and the history of that weapon and where it was, how it's been depicted in other films and shit like that. Yeah. So I'm going to treat the weapons throughout the film as characters and do similar episodes like that, that I'm really excited about. And yeah, that's, that's, uh, I'm really glad that you, uh, that you said that it was like a mini documentary because that was definitely one of my biggest goals was that with that was to make it feel like a documentary about that character and the actor that played him. Yeah. And, uh, fuck copyright. Like I, like I really don't care, but in case anyone has no clue what we're talking about, it's this scene from, uh, from T for, or T for two from Terminator two. So, Arnold walking in. Yeah, naked Arnold's walking into the bar, doing a little assessment of the uh, the, the town folk yep. in the bar. Yeah. Looking for one thing. Well, I guess three things. He's looking for clothes. He's looking for boots, and he's looking for a ride. Which in this case, the perfect ride for him to get through the city and find the young man he's looking for is a motorcycle. And here he's found the ideal candidate, a guy who is as tall and maybe almost as wide as he is 
a character known only in the script as the Cigar Biker, who is not named in the film, but as we talked about in my episode, he was named in the novelization and had a little bit more backstory, which that was part of the inspiration with, with starting that episode was when I was reading the novelization, they were filling in this little bit of a backstory about him and how he grew up with his dad was an asshole and he didn't like loonies and stuff. And he thought, well, this guy walking into this bar naked, he's clearly a loony. Yeah. And he doesn't like loonies. And, and I thought, this is some neat stuff. I gotta, I gotta get this out to the world more that, you know, for, for Terminator fans who might've never read the book or read the comics or anything. And anyway, yeah, that's kind of, I, if I remember right, I think that's where it started was when I was reading about that in, in the book and I saw that his, he was named in the book and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. It was a phenomenal one, dude, because it's unfortunate. Um, how did he die again in real life? He had brain cancer. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, his, uh, his good friend, Tom Pearson, who I think the majority of the, the, uh, the documentary portion of that episode, the second half where it was just my obnoxious ass character stepping aside and letting his actual friends and coworkers talk about him. Um, he did the most of the talking in that because he was a, a dear friend of him for since long before he was in Terminator two. And, um, and he talked to me about when he died and, and I, I, I still have, so the second half of that episode, that cigar biker episode, uh, all of those different conversations, you know, I condensed it down to 10 minutes of them talking about him. My goal was like five minutes. I try to keep these episodes short and sweet, but when I started, it was like 20 minutes worth of stuff. And I kept on cutting it down until I got it down to 10 really good minutes. But it was probably five hours worth of audio that I was combing through over and over, trying to find the right little spots and mix them together and stuff. And so all those conversations from those guys um, I'm trying to decide what to do with those. I think someday if uh, I, I, I might someday actually I've been creating a lot of extra little content to use someday for a, a potential like if I ever do a Patreon or something again, I don't want to ever make any money off this show. But if I do a Patreon, a couple bucks here and there might help pay off all this money that I've spent on this <laughs> set. <laughs> and uh so then my wife won't be so mad at me if I can say, Hey, look, honey, I got six bucks on my Patreon this month. So, you know, all that money I spent on lighting was not quite as expensive, but anyway, I've been doing, making Patreon content and for the future. And I think that I might use those for that. I might release those um, entire conversations on Patreon, but that one, especially that I had with his good friend, Tom Pearson, um, that was a lot of really good stuff. Uh, he talked about, um, he talked about the tumor. He talked about when he died and he talked about how hard it was because uh, some of that is on the, the episode when he talked about how um, he couldn't even talk. And so I would just, this is what Tom said. He said, I would just, he would hold up the phone and I would just talk and talk and talk about the good old times and whatever. Um, but he was talking about how, cause he died in 2001, October of 2001. And he talked about how his, you know, it was a brain tumor. So he was getting, he was getting pretty fuzzy upstairs, as I've seen a lot in my line of work. And he said that when September 11th happened, he was getting very bad, very short-term memory loss. And uh, his the his girlfriend that he was with at the time, uh, 
you know, Robert Winley's girlfriend that he was with had to eventually shut off the TV when September 11th happened because when uh, they kept on showing it throughout the day, of course, on the news, and every time that they would show that clip of the planes hitting the Twin Towers and talk about what happened, he would just like, oh, oh, God, you know, look, we're getting attacked. And he just kept on forgetting that it happened because his mind was getting so bad from the tumor. And anyway, uh, yeah, Tom Pearson told me a lot of these stories. And so I've got a lot of this stuff recorded that I someday I'll come up with a, a way to release it so that people can listen to that. But yeah, a lot of sad stuff there. That was that was kind of tough. It was tough for me because it was weird as I worked on that episode. I mean uh that was the so far that was the one the longest one to date in terms of you know the time that it took me to put it all together and i spent so much time on that and i spent so much time looking at his face when i was going through all the different movies and tv shows and plays that he was in that i could possibly find and cutting out all the stuff with him in it so that i could mix that into my video later I was looking at him so much and thinking about him so much. He was he was on my mind all day long for weeks and weeks. And then I was talking to these good friends of him and they were saying all these wonderful things about him and sharing these stories. And it kind of got to the point after a while where I, I kind of felt like I knew him. It was really weird. And then I, I, I kind of got a little bit depressed for a little while because I, I, I started to feel like I had lost a good friend, which I know sounds insane. Maybe this is how... Uh, how celebrity stalkers happen and people have to get restraining orders. I would never have done something like that, but I started to feel really attached to him. Like I knew him and like I had lost someone because I was thinking this is like the first guy who I, I would want to have on my show. And I can't cause he's dead, but like, I feel like I know him. And so I kind of feel like I lost someone, you know, it was a weird thing going through all that. And, and I got really close to his friend, Tom, uh, who gave me the majority of that audio through all of that. We were chatting a lot, and, and it was so cool when I, I got to send him the finished product. I, I actually sent him a snippet of it when I was, I don't know, maybe three weeks before I had it finished. And I started getting some of the stuff done when uh, with the, the documentary stuff at the end when it was just them talking about him. And I, I uploaded a clip of that to YouTube as a private video, and I sent it to him, and he was really happy with how it was looking. He was the one who sent me all those photos of... Uh, of Robert Winley, the person who I used, because there weren't any of those online anywhere. There was no, there was nothing. When you search Robert Winley online, you found Terminator 2 right away, and you could find his IMDb uh, acting, you know, or filmography. And you could find that he passed away on October 23rd, 2001 in Costa Mesa, California. And I think it says online that he died from cancer maybe it's specific enough that it says a brain tumor and that's it no other photos no other information nothing so so yeah tom he gave me so much for that episode because those pictures that he sent me and and all the great stories that he gave me and that was terrific but then of course i mean the other guys who i got to talk to really had a lot of course the pool cue biker that was really cool to be able to talk to him and and i'm going to be talking to him again someday when i do an episode about his character and about um, him as a person and his career and stuff. Cause a lot of people, I mean, there's, you can't really find much about him either. So a lot of people don't really know much about who he is or anything. So that'll be a really fun episode that I'm looking forward to doing soon. Um, um, I guess I'm really kind of rambling. 
It's good. Anyway. No, it's good. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> it's 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 really fascinating what you said that you felt like you, you know, obviously wanted to talk to him, but you couldn't, and so you felt very very connected to him, and and uh, you know, it kind of made me think that you know similarly because I don't do like like there won't be any real reason for me to do something like what that you did with that where it's sort of like a retrospective kind of look on someone's life. But I do think a lot of times, like, uh, I'll think about this from time to time, but a lot of times I'll think one of these days, somebody that I've talked to on this podcast is going to die. And I'll, I'll, yeah. you know, like I'll have had one of, one of their, like, hopefully, hopefully so most in like intimate kind of conversations that they've, you know, ever had with somebody, whether I knew them or not, you know, cause I have people that I don't know, people I do know. And it's really interesting to think that at some point, assuming I don't die first, there's going to be a time when people that have been on this show no longer exist. And there's an audio version of a really intimate hour, two hour, three hour conversation that they had. And, uh, it's just, it's just really interesting to think, but for your sake, it's really yeah. it's it's really wild that you know you never met this dude, but somehow talking to all these people that knew him and and everything, you you gained this real kind of friendship with a with a guy that doesn't exist anymore. You know? Yeah, yeah. It really did feel like that. It, it was weird. Do you feel yeah, like yeah? Uh, I, I still I've. Do you feel What's like that? you'll? Do you feel like you'll? Because uh, I know you said you're not religious, but if there is a heaven, do you feel like uh, you and him will bump into each other at some point? Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. I'm not. I'm not religious, but if if that kind of thing were real, I would imagine that he uh, he would uh, at some point he'd be like, "Hey, you're the guy that made that video about me. <laughs> Thanks." You know, because I mean, it's it's the only one. I mean, it. What other? What other documentary is there about that guy's life? That's that's it. That's the one. Yeah, man. And so that was part of the other reason I wanted to jump on that because I thought, God, everybody knows this guy's face. Everybody knows that line. You forgot to say please. Um. So, but yeah. So that was that was uh, the big driving force behind that. Um. And yeah, that's why it almost feels kind of weird that it's it's really the only thing out there that is a a real tribute to him aside from a, uh, a blog post that I found someone actually made a cool little blog post. Um, just, it was just a short little thing about him and how he always played, you know, the scary looking guy in the movies and he pretty much always got killed. And it was kind of a cute little blog post. And, uh, that was actually how I found the first person who I talked to, um, uh, for my, that was on the documentary. Um, who was the guy who talked about how he knew him years ago before he was famous and they were in plays together when they were nobodies. And uh, I found this little blog post about Robert Winley. And then in the comments, I saw this guy had commented that, you know, I was looking up my old friend Robert to see where he was or what he was doing. And I found this and I just wanted to let you know that I thought this was cool. And I used to do plays with him. So I clicked on this guy's name. And I tried to figure out, you know, it took me a while, but I finally figured out where he worked. And then I called his workplace and I, I was able to have a conversation with him. And it was just like a very spur of the moment thing where he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew him. What do you what do you want to know? And we just I said, you mind if I record it? And I recorded it and we just we chatted for like maybe 45 minutes. And that's kind of where a lot of that section of that started. But but yeah, um, anyway, 
So, yeah. so, so, so not only are you a uh, method YouTuber, even though you don't like the word YouTuber, you're also a web sleuth. <laughs> you're also a web sleuth, dude. Yeah, which, man, that gets tedious sometimes. But yeah, I guess I have had to do a lot of uh, digging for a lot of stuff that doesn't even matter yet. Like I've, I've spent, it's, it's weird to think about that, I guess. I've spent so many, like literally hundreds of hours working on episodes that I haven't even started writing or filming yet. But just, you know, trying to find any weird, obscure articles I could find about, um, yeah, the different the different uh, actors involved or different merchandise that was produced and going down weird rabbit holes, you know, especially a lot of the foreign stuff. I, I try not to use the word foreign, but like international because, you know, I mean, if I lived in France, I wouldn't it'd feel kind of weird if somebody was calling that a foreign version. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's a different tangent, I guess. Point is... Uh, <laughs> You know, looking into the different international releases and stuff, you really get down some rabbit holes. And finally, I get to you, it'll be 4 a.m. and I'm like, God, what was I even trying to accomplish here? Where am I? And you try to backtrack. And but yeah, you're right. Web sleuthing has been a huge, huge part of the show because one of my biggest goals with the episodes is to make them as comprehensive as I can, like that cigar biker one. Uh, I couldn't think of anything else that I could possibly put in there about that character. Mm -hmm. uh, I found shortly later, I found one behind the scenes photo in the parking lot of a motorcycle with a few guys standing around it. And he was standing there and I hadn't seen that. It was like a week after I did that episode. And so that was, that rendered that episode a complete failure because, <laughs> because I didn't have that one little picture to put in there. But you know, I mean, other than that, other than that one behind the scenes picture, I hadn't seen anything else, couldn't find anything else about that character or that actor. So to me, that was a very comprehensive um, look at that topic. And that's what I want each episode to be whenever I'm talking about the, uh, you know, the Kenner toy line or the, the, the candy that they made or, you know, the, the, the different laser discs and stuff, whatever. I want it to be as comprehensive as possible. So, so yeah, web sleuthing becomes a big part of that, I guess. Is it addicting? And calling like... libraries and stuff. Uh, yeah. I, um, I, it, wow. Yeah, it is. I never thought about that. Uh, boy, my wife would use that as ammunition. Yes, it, I guess it is addicting. It's very addicting to me, the feeling that I have uncovered every possible stone, and at least that I know of, and that I can then gather all that up and present it to the show's audience so that they can enjoy it. And, and I guess I, I want to make sure it doesn't, you know, it almost sounds like this could come off as like an egotistical thing or something. Maybe it doesn't, but, but yeah, it, this is really just about like, I want to, I want to put something out there that's really cool for people to enjoy. And I want to make it as good as it can be. I don't want to make a, I don't want to put it out there and then have people be like, Oh, he didn't even mention whatever it could be that that you'd think would be an important part of that topic. I want it to be as comprehensive as possible. And to me, that instills confidence in the viewer that, wow, this guy covered everything on this topic. And then they see the thumbnails at the end and they're like, oh, look, he covered, you know, that goofy Rock'em Sock'em Robots game. So I bet that's pretty in-depth too, you know, like that, that's a big reason that I want it to be comp so comprehensive, not just as a an entertainment and educational thing, but because it, I feel like that'll make the viewers more confident in what the show has to offer in other episodes. And that'll make them feel good about subscribing to it and, 
and following along as the show goes. And then I use the entire thing as a vehicle to act stupid and put a lot of goofy entertainment in there that, uh, that tends to often be the most fun part of the show. It's like I do all that uh, sometimes overly, uh, I don't know, tedious work of trying to find all this stuff and put it together just so that I can then make a fool out of myself on the show and, and act like a maniac and get upset or, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've always wanted to do something like, uh, find a topic, find a subject, whatever it was, and then just really do a deep super dive, uh, James Cameron style to yeah. the Mariana trench and, and, and leave no stone unturned and, and present that as sort of like a magnum opus of whatever the topic is. And, um, yeah, it hasn't happened. I mean, uh, when the whole George Floyd thing happened, uh, last year, uh, I felt a real kind of responsibility to, uh, since I have a podcast, since I have something that hits ears, I felt a real responsibility to put something out there that felt maybe not comprehensive because I mean, I don't know how you could make something like that feel comprehensive, but to get as many different voices on a recording mm -hmm. as possible. And, uh, at the time that was my longest podcast that I had ever done. It was over three hours and I just sat in a chair and I, I had pre-planned everybody that I was going to call, but I didn't talk to them beforehand. I was just like, Hey, do you want to participate in something that's going to hopefully at the end of the day, uh, honor what's going on here, you know, really speak out for it. Um, and just, I dialed them up and I just kept going through it and through it. So that's probably the closest I've ever gotten to feeling that kind of, I don't know if the word is satisfaction because that's a really touchy subject, but like I felt good about doing something like that because I was in a, you know, rock in a hard place kind of situation where it's like, well, do I even, first of all, put myself out there because I'm a white dude. What do I have to like, like, what is my voice going to like, why does it even matter in the first place? And then I was, you know, really kind of convinced that, you know, that's up to each listener to decide whether or not they find it like, fuck this white guy for talking about this shit. You know, it's, it's, I felt obligated to put that out there. So that's the closest I've ever gotten to doing a deep dive into a subject that was passionate for me that I felt really kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is. Like I, like, like I just needed to do it, but to do something like this, which obviously isn't as a serious topic, um, to really deep dive someone's whole life is, uh, I can imagine, is really kind of addicting in that if you weren't doing T for two, maybe this is something that you would be doing also. You would be doing uh, deep dives into whether it's actors, whether it's politicians, whether it's, you know, I don't know, any kind of, you know, real kind of, not even famous figure. Like this Robert Winley guy, not even necessarily that famous. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no. No, he, he, uh, I'm sure he was able to go to uh, a theme park and yeah. enjoy himself like anybody else and oh, yeah. almost never get recognized, which to me would be like the ideal type of celebrity. I always thought it would be really cool to be like that kind of actor where you're working with Arnold Schwarzenegger and other big names and you're on big sets, but you're still a normal human being who can just go to the grocery store. To me, that would be like the ideal type of, uh, of, uh, well, I guess not celebrity, but actor, you know, yeah. I think that'd be a blast. You could still live a normal life, but still be part of, of all that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, like investigative journalism and stuff like that. That's definitely something that I could see potentially getting hooked on. I just never really kind of followed through with it. It's always been something like, yeah, like I'd like to make a, uh, like there is a, because it just popped up on my feed, there is now a podcast all dedicated to um, what's going on because now the trials are happening with, with, with George Floyd. And so now, you know, people are really, right. people are really honing in on, on what this all means. And, and I guess now it can feel comprehensive because now we're getting to a kind of resolution with it. So, but I would like yeah. to do, I would like to do something like that, you know, like a whole podcast dedicated yeah. to, I don't know, investigative journalism, but at, also I feel like you never truly get the full story, no matter how much you feel like you do. I feel like there's always a stone that can be unturned and, you know, so maybe that's what's keeping me from from doing it because it's like, how comprehensive can it be? Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, I'm sure even with your Robert Winley, like I'm sure three years from now, something will pop up, like someone will leave a comment on your video and be like, oh, but dude, you missed this one little thing about him that really kind of changed his whole life. And it's like, oh, fuck, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. That's always, uh, I guess I already kind of mentioned that, but that's always kind of a fear of mine as I'm finishing it up, as I'm finishing up an episode is, is it complete? Did I really cover everything here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But with that one, I actually, I mean, I guess I don't mean to keep talking about that episode, but um, I, uh, I think someday I am going to do like a, an extended cut Yeah. Uh, because people are, people have enjoyed it so much. It's definitely been like the, the most, um, the most watched and the most enjoyed episode that I've done so far. And um, so I think someday I might do an extended cut where I cut out all the stuff on the set of the show where I'm talking about the character mm-hmm. and it's just those people talking about him. And I put back in a lot of the stuff that I took out and I've, I'll probably have more things to do. Cause I've, I've uh, since it, one of the coolest and most fulfilling things about that episode was since it, uh, uh, since it went live uh, or whatever, um, his family found out about it. And uh, I've had a few different family members comment on the video. And uh, eventually I'm going to do a little chatting with them and maybe get a few more family photos and stuff like that to, to get a little bit more. Because, you know, the guys who I talked to knew him as an adult. So it'd be neat to get maybe a little bit more about his childhood. Who knows? Maybe there's some interesting stuff there, some more photos and stuff. Um, his his like his nieces and stuff all seem like to remember him very fondly. So there might be some cool stuff there to follow it up with someday. Yeah. Yep. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see what that looks like. Because again, that was uh, I highly recommend everybody check that out. Even if you're not a big Terminator Two fan, even if you're not, you know an Arnold fan. It's, 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 it's just a really well-produced, not that long mini documentary of a pretty fascinating dude, you know, like that we've already kind of touched on some of the fascinating elements of his life that he was able to be in such, you know, iconic things and, uh, lead a normal life. And then, you know, the whole thing with September 11th, when he, uh, wasn't really fully comprehending or he was starting to like, like you said, get dementia, like he was starting to forget, about about what's going yeah. on you know it's just uh it's just really really well produced 
highly recommend it. And Thank you. Um, yeah, dude, I hope uh, like I hope you do another thing like that for the second season of the show. Uh, yeah, there's um, I might. Yeah, I, I'm 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 hoping to. Uh, I will. I mean, I'll definitely be doing more of them in general. Uh-huh. Hopefully, I'll. I, I think I might have one or two of them for this next season as well. I guess we'll see. Ooh. I've got this uh, this set all built and everything, but I don't actually have the season that well planned out yet. I have uh, some of the episodes kind of loosely figured out. Uh, honestly, this after this first episode that we already talked about, I'm not even exactly sure yet what the second one's going to be yet. But I've got a whole big list of ideas, so I'll, I'll come up with something. You sound like every freaking major Hollywood studio where they're like, "Hey, let's plan out the monster verse. Let's plan out the dark universe," and then like, what they don't really even have the second film ready to rock it's just it's all and like what i'm and what i'm specifically talking about is that photo that came out with like johnny depp tom cruise uh like do you remember that like a few years ago when they were planning that whole dark universe with the mummy with tom cruise and then they were gonna do oh yeah i vaguely remember hearing or seeing about this yeah and they planned it all out and they had the photo with all these people that were going to be in different movies. They were all in the same photo together, even though that turned out to be they were all kind of photoshopped together. But uh, uh, the first movie, the the mummy movie with Tom Cruise completely bombed and they just canceled everything. It's so. Uh, That's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah. See. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. When, so, so, so when you said that you have the whole set built, you have, you know, pretty much it, like it's ready to rock, but you don't have season two even ready to in, like film necessarily. <laughs> That's where my mind went. Yeah. But hopefully you have better results. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully you don't cancel yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll see. After this first one, I might be like, you know what? Fuck, Fuck it. it. Fuck it. Down. I'm done. <laughs> P- pull the plug. You know, I wonder if, uh, if, if they had cast someone other than that uh, insane piece of shit Tom Cruise to be in The Mummy, maybe I would have gone to see it. But I I lost interest once his name was on the poster. Yeah. See, that That's was just me. See, that was before I went down my whole Scientology rabbit hole. So I did actually go see that movie in theaters. And uh, Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything special, that's for sure. But, mm. oh, well. Shame. It is a shame. Um. Maybe you could, uh, maybe you can interview Tom Cruise, but something telling me you don't want to even talk to the guy. <laughs> something tells me you don't want to talk to him. Yeah. No, if he wanted to be on my show, I would uh, <laughs> probably turn him down. Damn. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like your subscriber account would go whoo through the roof. Yeah, I guess I, I, I would, I would have him on just so that I could, uh, like, you know, I, I would come up with some way to, to, I don't know. I do something that wasn't favorable, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah, I need more time to think about it. But uh, yeah, I would definitely have him on so I could say, hey, look, everybody is Tom Cruise. And then, uh, I don't know, I'd come up with something to he's make never, it fun for me and less fun for him. He's never done anything with Arnold, has he? Like, they've never been in a movie together. Uh, not off the top of my head, no. No. Yeah. Uh, kind of weird. I, I guess, yeah. I know they weren't before Arnold was a megastar, and then once he was a megastar, it was probably one of those things where you know you got to have your one leading man, and they were both leading men, and so. But yeah, it's, but it's weird they never got like Tom Cruise for those Expendable movies. That's true. I never really thought about that, but I I would see him as being another name that they would want to tack on with those. 
Yeah. That'd be pretty. But you know, I never saw him as an action star. I mean, I know that that's what he's considered, but to me, he's what is he like four feet tall? I mean, like I just, (laughs) I don't, I never saw him as a believable hero in any way. He's just like this little goof who's, he's a good looking guy in the face, but like as an action star running around with explosions behind him, I honestly, I just never bought it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does know how to run though. I mean, that's, he's got the running thing down. Yeah. I guess he's got a good run. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that, <laughs> and 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 he's uh, that's because he's always running from Scientology critics. He knows how to avoid them. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Yeah. Well, look, dude, this was a lot of fun, man. And uh, uh, I well, let me check what time it is. Yeah, I gotta get going, but I really, really appreciated this conversation because it was a lot of fun. You know, compared to the last one that we did, which was nothing but talking about your your upcoming. Uh, first season i think of of t for two and uh this was a lot more yeah yeah i don't open-ended i think i only had like two episodes done when we did that yeah and we did it really kind of shittily over uh i think it was the anchor app and it kept breaking up this is yes. a this is a lot better finally get to see a one-on-one and have an actual conversation yeah yeah this is cool this was fun i'm glad that you had me on and it's it's fun when you listen to something you know, I listen to your podcast and then you get to be on it. You know, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of a cool thing. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude. And uh, all the information to the to the show is going to be in the description. So please, for the dear love of Tom Cruise, everybody, go check out T for Two. <laughs> and uh, at least... Do it! Do it now! Come it, on! Yeah, do, yeah, fucking do it and check out the... The, seriously, like the two that I would recommend right off the bat are the Brad Fidel and the Robert Winley because they're just really unique. But then, of course, check out everything oh, else. Thank you. And especially Sarah Connor 2020 because I'm in that video. I think my favorite one now is the very last one, the uh, uh, the final battle fighting game where the cameraman and I actually duke it out on the game. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, to me, I think that's not... Uh, the cigar biker one is my favorite in terms of being deep and kind of emotional. The uh, the, uh, the 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 final battle rock'em sock'em robots fighting one to me is my favorite in terms of being fun. That yeah. one is way it cranks up the the fun knob to eleven. Yeah, yeah, I think it's all fascinating shit. So definitely go check it out, and uh, I will talk to you very very soon, man. This was a, seriously like thank you for being thank you for not at least keeping all of your uh, persona from T for two, at least kind of letting some of the curtain come down. That was, a, that was really cool well, to see. Thank you. Yeah. I, I I'll, uh, next time I'll just do a hundred, I'll try to do a hundred percent just heart to Casey heart. And heart not, to heart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> an, working on it. An intervention. So yeah. Yeah. All right, man. I hope you have a good day and uh, everybody else. Goodbye. <laughs>